Money FM 89.3, best of prime time. Market View on Money FM 89.3. You're listening to Money FM 89.3. I'm Chua Tian with your Market View. Now, U.S. markets are on our agenda today with the U.S. CPI data for September set to be released on Thursday. Now, based on earlier forecasts by Bloomberg, the headline consumer price index is expected to moderate slightly from 8.3% on year in August to 8.1% on year in September. Now, meanwhile, the more closely watched core inflation is set to rise from 6.3% to 6.5% on a yearly basis for September. So with the decline in headline inflation alone offer any form of reassurance for the Fed to ease off the brakes in the upcoming policy meeting? At the same time, JP Morgan chases CEO Jamie Dimon warned of a serious mix of headwinds that could dip the global economy into a recession by the middle of next year. So how would that weigh on central banks as they plan their next move? Now for more, I'm joined by Anzim Sharif, market analyst at uh, CMC Markets APEC and Canada. Hi Azim. Hi, good evening. How are you? Great to have you on our show. And Azim, let's start with the hot topic first. Uh, the US Consumer Price Index data for September set to be released on Thursday. If we look at Bloomberg forecast, year-on-year figures seem to ease off a bit for the headline number, but core inflation continues to rise. So any possible explanation for that discrepancy and do you agree with the forecast? Yeah, so I guess let's start off with that because I think that's what everyone is looking forward to, TNTN. So uh, yes, that's correct. I do agree with uh, the Bloomberg forecast. So as you mentioned, the headline rate is expected to fall roughly about 0.2% from 83 to 8.1%, whereas the core CPI Now, this is important because this is what the Fed actually looks at. Um, And the core CPI strips out food and energy because they're volatile prices. So the core CPI is actually expected to rise per the estimates about 0.2% month on month. Last month, uh, it grew 0.1%. So that is why the markets were in in a very negative area because, yes, the headline CPI did come down, but it is the core CPI what the Fed looks at and basically what they make what um, indicated they look at for them to make a decision. Um, the main discrepancies I would say that would attribute to the reason why the, the headline is going up and the core is going down is, is primarily energy and food, which is the two things that is stripped out of the core CPI. So energy prices pretty much, you know, we're talking about natural gas, talking about oil, uh, they pretty much dropped slightly over the course of last month. And that'll support the drop in the headline rate, but because it's energy um, and food, they're not considered in the core CPI. So the core CPI is everything else except food and energy. Um, You may recall last month where the headline rate dropped, again, similar situation, but the core CPI increased. This caused a huge sell-off in US equities. You know, I think the S&P 500 was, it nosedived about two and a half percent. So quite, quite large. Uh, but this also supported US dollar strength. So I believe the US dollar or the dollar index chart uh, went up about 1.7%. Uh, my hunch is we're going to see something very similar this month or, or basically on Thursday, uh, where the core CPI goes up, headline CPI comes down, but we're going to see equities go down, treasury yields rise, and US dollar continue to rise. Will decline in headline inflation alone provide any reason for the Fed to slow down the pace of interest rate hike or to pivot earlier than expected? What are your peak rate expectations at this point in time? Again, the core CPI is what the Fed looks at. And if that starts to increase, then there is no reason for them to reduce or slow down their pace of hikes. Forget about even talking about a pivot. 
I guess in terms of the Fed pivot, again, there's not enough information to suggest they need to slow down or even change, uh, you know, directions. Interest rates are still, they are very aggressive, but they still take, there is a bit of a delay or a lag in terms of the effects from those aggressive rate rises. So we may start to see that happen. I, I reckon this quarter is going to be very pivotal to, to actually see the impacts of those rate rises because there's usually a three to four month delay. In terms of peak rate expectations, uh, I believe the current, the Fed rate is called, the Fed funds rate currently is around three to 3.25. Um, my view is that we've got another 150 to 200 basis points. So that's another 1.5 to 2% on top right. of that three percent so we could be looking at it at a peak fed funds rate around 4.75 to about five percent because my view is they mm. are going to keep hiking um as as fast as they can as quick as they can uh, and 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 they're going to continue doing it until something potentially breaks in the meantime jp morgan's uh, ceo jamie Damon, uh, Azim, he had warned of a global recession by the middle of next year do you agree with that assessment will that be the breaking point how will a risk of recession weigh on the Fed, given how you know determined they are in fighting that runaway inflation? <laughs> well, look, we love Jamie Dimon because every time he comes on, mm. uh, look, and, and the guy's the CEO of JP Morgan, you know, pretty much right. one of the biggest banks in the world. So anything he says is taken, uh, you know, quite well or quite receptive by the market. So from memory, I believe he gave a timeline of about six to nine months. Um, in my view, I yep. believe that's a fair representation. Uh, in if anything, I reckon it could probably happen sooner. As I mentioned before, I, I feel this quarter, especially U.S. earnings season, is going to be very pivotal to identify um, what a lot of these companies are doing. You know, in terms of forward guidance and and whatnot. Um, in terms of how uh, in terms of how the Fed will act on that, look, we need to remember that the Fed's primary uh, two primary goals are to control inflation or, or maintain price stability. And the second thing is to achieve optimal employment, uh, employment or un unemployment. Price stability is, is gone haywire, so forget about it. So that's that's what they're trying to control. However, the labor market in the U.S. is very tight at the moment. So that's mm. one thing. Um, but the thing is, when you're trying to control price, they one has to give, right? So something has to give way. And and what they're hoping for or what they're not hoping for is to, to maintain uh, the unemployment rate at a very low 35 and hopefully inflation comes down. But unfortunately, that's not usually how things work because if more people have jobs, if more people have uh, income, more money, they're going to continue spending. Inflation is going to stay high. That's just how the economy works. So mm -hmm. to, uh, to obtain price stability or to bring inflation down, that unemployment rate has to start going up. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what we're going to see at this stage. So, and again, you know, like I said before, um, it's going to, the Fed are going to keep hiking until something breaks. And in my view, mm -hmm. I reckon it's going to be something around the unemployment rate. It's going to reach a very critical level uh, to the point where inflation will come down so they can start uh, entering quantitative uh, uh, tightening. Right. And uh, well, speaking of the Fed hiking interest rates, Azim, to what extent do you think central banks back in Asia uh, will follow the Fed in hiking rates or rather which central banks are likely to take the cue from the Fed and its monetary move? Yeah. So look, this, the, the central banks in Asia are very interesting. I mean, because Asia is such a it's a very diverse economy, um, as, you, as, you're, as you're fully aware, you know, we've got Singapore, we've got Japan, we've got Korea, Vietnam. Um, you know, there's there's multiple countries uh, and and South Korea, India, you know, etc. And they are all. I, I, it's hard to say that they're not. They are going to follow the Fed in terms of hiking rates. Most of them, China's completely on a different level. Um, they're cutting rates, you know, as opposed to the rest. But you know, they've got their own economy. 
that is very sustainable that way. But, you know, the likes of Japan, I mean, Japan, as we all know, they're not doing anything. They're just sitting, waiting for something. They're kind of like, uh, I guess you could say they're like the US. They're sitting, uh, they're sitting on their hands, waiting for something to happen. Um, you know, the USD JPY, it's, it's breached 146 at the moment. So this is the last time where they intervened. Um, so, you know, they keep saying we're going to keep monitoring the FX markets and, and then make a decision on interest rates. But I think they're just waiting for something to happen before uh, something bad to happen, to be honest, uh, before some before they intervene. So we could probably see Japan stick with their rates. Um, India, I believe, did about 50 basis points. Vietnam did about 100 basis points. South Korea uh, just today, earlier on today, actually did another 50 basis points. So you could see that uh, and Thailand, I believe they did 25 basis points last month so you can see there's a bit of a range across all those central banks and and each economy they have to gauge their current conditions um, and then base it their decision but i believe the general rhetoric is they do have to hike because inflation is still quite high but they won't go at the same pace as the fed because the fed's on a completely different level right we saw several markets japan thailand being very cautious about hiking interest rates uh, at the expense of growth of course and in fact japan thailand they are taking advantage of the weaker home currency to spur tourism in their home country so can we expect more policy divergence or the difference in the pace of interest rate hikes going forward Absolutely. I think that's the best way to put it there, Tian Tian. So policy divergence is the main key. That is what causes, uh, that is what drives um, volatility in the FX markets as well. Again, you know, if we look at Japan, they're pretty much close to zero and you've got uh, the US at close to 3%. They're looking to go another 2%. So that policy divergence is going to be probably 4 to 5% between the US and, 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 uh, and, and JP, um, Japan. Again, similar to Thailand, you know, Thailand, uh, their inflation isn't as high, but relatively, you know, they are only hiking by 25 basis points. So again, that policy divergence, anything, look, anything compared to the US is going to be uh, quite, quite wide in terms of the policy divergence. And that's obviously going to drive the FX market. That is what is driving the US dollar at this stage, because uh, a higher interest rate allows more um, of the of the local currency, more capital inflow, as we say. So if there's more capital inflow, there's more money coming to that economy, the currency goes up. That is why a lot of people are taking their money, uh, pu putting it in the US, dumping it in the US because the interest rate or the yields uh, are a lot higher. So they get a better return on their investment. Um, and yeah, you know, coming back to tourism, you know, Japan, I believe just yesterday probably opened up their borders to um, the rest of the world, all, all the vaccinated travelers. So that'll be very interesting to see what happens. But, you know, still Japan's OK. Thailand is is finding it tough because they're more of an emerging economy as well. So tourism is a big thing for Thailand. But for them to not have too much tourism, it's it's a bit hard for them. Um, but again, their their economy is, is very different to uh, as opposed to Japan and a lot smaller than Japan. So they're going to find it a lot more tough, um, you know, going forward. And uh, before we talk about investment strategies, Anzim, I just want to digress a little to talk about this piece of news just out earlier this week. Uh, U.S. announcing fresh curbs on China's access to American technology, in particular targeting those semiconductor chip uh, manufacturers. To what extent would that have an impact on Taiwan and mainland China's economy? <laughs> this is huge. This is huge. Um, and exactly. it came to a, yeah, it came to a surprise. And, and just like, you know, as, mm. as you mentioned earlier, you know, uh, we saw Taiwan's TSMC dropping by about 7.1%. I believe that happened yesterday, just as soon as the news came out. Um, and, and just to our listeners as well, basically, 
what the US have done is they've created a, a special legislation where they've limited the amount of technology that goes from US to China. So basically, it's a, I call it a geopolitical flex. You know, US and China always have tensions. This is just adding more heat to the fire, right? Mm. Or, or more salt to the fire. So basically, this new rule uh, limits the amount of semiconductor chips used or purchased by China from the US uh, as it involves Chinese entities. So they have to obtain a special license, which means they have to get approvals which means the U.S. have control as to how much gets uh, transferred across. Now, the reason why I say it's a geopolitical flex is because um, the U.S. believe, or from what I read, is that by doing or conducting this uh, this regulation um, or implementing this regulation, they're limiting Beijing's ability to produce advanced military systems. Um, and that will obviously affect China Chinese tech, which is what we saw with Taiwan's TSMC. So, again, a, a, quite a geopolitical flex uh but there's tension there as well and you know obviously the us sounds like they don't want china to use their technology for their own benefit so that's my view of that and finally just before we let you go as you might have about 30 seconds left and i really want to talk about this investment strategies which markets sectors and asset classes should we be looking at as retail investors look this is a very good and very popular question um and what i do want to say to our listeners is there is no right answer it depends on the investor themselves what their investment objective is what they want to do but you know for someone that is active in the market space uh, the energy space is quite interesting at the moment you know given the europe's energy crisis uh, especially around you know the shortage of natural gas in russia ukraine uh, electricity uh, oil very interesting at the moment but from a stocks perspective as well look you know we talk about recessionary environments look at more defensive stocks look at your utilities look at consumer staples look at health avoid those cyclical stocks avoid growth stocks because they're getting a hit at the moment from interest rates and future cash flows so the valuations are, are starting to downgrade we're going to see earnings season come up and, and that's going to be a big one especially with forward guidance the environment's quite tough at the moment but defensive stocks are quite resistant to this so that is probably something to look into uh, if you are repositioning your um, uh, your investments. Right. Thank you very much, Azim. That was Azim Sharif, Markets Analyst at CMC Markets APEC and Canada. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation and risk tolerance.